Hi, I'm Michael Williams, Artistic Director of Sydney Writers' Festival. This recording and the festival itself take place on the unceded lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to ancestors and elders, past and present. We hope you enjoy this conversation from our 2021 podcast series. Eight scenes from a dancing life. One. During the Sydney Olympics, I was living in Darwell country on the south coast. The central desert women who danced in the opening ceremony were staying there, and a barbecue was organised with us locals. We hadn't expected them to dance for us, but suddenly after lunch, the lawn was cleared. The women rose and began to sing with clapsticks. We sat on the ground, feeling the harmonic drone of their voices, the swish of eucalyptus, the thumping of feet. Sitting that close to that many people dancing barefoot on the ground, and they hit it so deliberately with the whole soul. The song seems to rise out of the earth, vibrating through your body, into your marrow. Two. When I lived in Paris in the 80s, I went to a lot of African concerts. The diaspora was already huge, and many lived under duress. Police raided buildings in the dead of night, hauling out entire families for deportation. I remember one concert on the outskirts. We'd gone to see the headliner, a drummer from Senegal. But the most popular act turned out to be the griots, the oral storytellers. As soon as they came on, the audience rose to their feet, shouting and swaying. We had no idea what they were saying, but the exultation rained down on us like a blessing. Three. In the early 90s, I went to a Mardi Gras party. I was newly queer and had moved to Melbourne to escape my big Catholic family. I'd been to plenty of parties, but this one changed something in me. A woman took me upstairs to a viewing room. We stood at the window, watching thousands of semi-naked folk dancing below. The crowd pulsed and flowed like an ocean, the occasional headdress or raised hand breaking through like whitecaps. People talk about queer family, but what I saw was an ecosystem, a habitat, and I thought, I can live here. Four. In Poland, we stopped in a village called Kazimierz Dolna for a folk music festival. A Kletzma band was playing at a cafe, people calling out requests between mouthfuls. On the main stage, a Ukrainian women's choir. Bands set up in doorways, fiddlers sang alone. As night fell, the village square was heaving. Couples whirled arm in arm, drunks reeled, conga lines formed. Kazimierz Dolna was once home to 3,000 Jews, all killed. As I danced, I thought of Jacob from Isaac Bashevisinger's novel The Slave, set in the 17th century. Jacob returns home after a massacre in which his wife and children were killed. The graves were not marked, and he finds it impossible to come to terms with. At a wedding, a jester sings to him, what is life but a dance across graves? Five. 
In November 1999, a sex and subculture party took place on federal election day. As we arrived around midnight, the results were called. John Howard's second term began. On stage, a cage was winched down, releasing a figure. He spun around, revealing stitched lips and a swastika sewn into his chest. He tore out the stitches, screaming. Blood poured from his face down his body, and all the rage and pain in the room sucked into that moment like gas to a flame. We cheered and stamped and danced all night in a fury. Six. In Mexico City, I fell ill. Wanting some peace and quiet, I went down to Oaxaca, timing my arrival for a Monday. After checking in, I went for a walk. Through the narrow streets, music beckoned, and I found myself in the Zocalo. There in front of the cathedral was a 16-piece marimba band in full swing. People of all ages were dancing, some dressed up, others scruffy. Still weak, I watched their feet, each couple doing a different set of steps, all somehow in unison, burning up the pavement to the fiery salsa. Seven. I usually avoid Anzac Day, but last weekend in Redfern Park, completely by chance, I stumbled across scores of Maori rehearsing a welcome haka. Flanking the path, two lines of women, then two of men dressed in black, some in grass capes and moko. While they waited, their teacher walked among them, encouraging. Don't worry about what people think. Get out of your heads. Do the moves as you feel them. Knowing what you've been through and what it took for you to get here today, we're thankful. An Aboriginal dancer did a smoking through the crowd. Then a cry went up and the parade began, headed by Maori warriors, painted up, dancing with weapons. Indigenous service people filed past, some very old. And all along the path, the chanting of 100 people rose, tewaka, and the slapping of thighs and chests and the stomping of feet. Eight. In Sydney, dancing was illegal for almost a year. Already the lockout laws had closed so many venues. Finally, at Easter, the ban was lifted. We got our party tickets, organised our outfits. We walked down the stairs into the pounding beat. I hugged friends I hadn't seen for over a year. By midnight, the sweat was flowing. Buttons were undone, shirts came off. Everybody was on the dance floor. I kissed my lover. I thought of my friends in Mexico and Paris. I felt grateful. I was restored. When we went out for a smoke, we saw a new club had opened next door. A young crowd, half of them African, were lining up, waiting their turn to go inside and dance. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to and rate our channel wherever you listen to your podcasts.